Good day, Christian Israel. Pastor Eli James here. This is Eurofolk Radio Bloodlines on February 16th, 2020. And my guest again today is going to be David from Branson. Uh, we're going to continue a little bit of our discussion from last week, although uh, the the basic statement that uh, David and I were talking about just before today's show was that the Bible is all about the Abrahamic covenants and that the New Testament is the fulfillment and more discussion of the fulfillment of those covenants. And uh, that's what all these cross-references that David has done, and we talked about that at length last week. Now, um, Michael Swede was supposed to be my guest today, but he said he can't make it again today. So uh, I, I uh, leaned on David to do the show today, and we decided we are going to talk about Ruth was an Israelite. However, David has a couple of announcements uh, to make uh, before we get started on that. So uh, uh, go ahead and tell people about the Mount Sinai, the true Mount Sinai. Yeah, <clears throat> well, uh, what I was going to say was actually there's this movie. Uh, so uh, if you go to ang- oops, if you go to AngloIsrael.com, you'll see that. Jeez, uh, sorry, I bumped out of that. Uh, on my uh, top of my uh, page here, I've got some links where you can sign up to this uh, Mount Sinai uh, video, uh, or it's a movie that's coming out in a couple days. And I've got, it's called the Red Sea Miracle by Tim Mahoney. So I just wanted to make sure people didn't miss that because it's only two days off. It's only going to play once in the United States, uh, one day and really? you know, one show in each theater, in select theaters around the United States. And there's a part one and part two. So part one is February the 18th. Part two is May the 5th. So if you just oh, okay. go up to the top of my site, you can see that. And you can go right to the link and get uh, get your tickets. Okay. You're definitely going to want to watch that. That's a really nice, uh, sounds like it's a really nice expose. It's basically explaining, you know, there's some arguments, and I mentioned it last time. Uh, he interviews a lot of people, uh, Sam Mahoney, and uh, one of the arguments was, well, they only had three days to get from where they were, you know, living, basically, all the way across the Sinai, if they went across the Gulf of Aqaba. Right. They only had three days to travel approximately 200 miles or maybe more to go that far. And uh, the argument is, well, they just can't, they just can't go that far. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was, people were uh, debating that they could go about, you know, maybe six miles or something per day. And that's 250 miles. So it's impossible to go do that in three days. But, you know, whatever. Uh, I think uh, Tim Mahoney is probably going to show a good reason why uh, everything that you know he's saying did happen as it says in Scripture. Okay. So that'll be uh, a good movie, and it'll be two parts. And we're going to talk about uh, Ruth was an Israelite. Yeah. And uh, then the other thing we're working on is this response to Rick Wiles. Uh, I have, uh, and of course they'll see it on my document, but I'll probably have it on the top of my page there somewhere. It's called Christianity versus Evangelical Zionism. Oh, boy. And he was interviewing Steve and Jana Ben Nunn, B-E-N-N-U-N. And anyway, so if you look that up, it's not on True News uh, YouTube channel. It's on another one, so I, don't, I didn't recognize it. But at any rate, you should look that up. Christianity versus Evangelical Zionism by uh, Rick Wiles. 
Okay. And uh, that's just a fabulous uh, expose on Zionism. And, I mean, he talks about stuff. Uh, I'd be surprised if you'd be able to stay on YouTube with all the things they talk about. Yeah. No, well, the YouTube kicked us off because we talk about Zionism, the Jews, and well, yeah, and they, they're all the time. About more than anything you've ever said. So, okay. at any rate, uh, me, you, and other pastors are all going to do a, a kind of a our take on what he's saying. Because, you know, the, Rick Wiles, I think, would be teaching what we're teaching if he understood that the whole Bible is about the Abrahamic covenant. Amen. And once you get away from the Abrahamic covenant and start saying, well, this just applies to anybody, what you're really doing, Eli, is you're yeah. destroying all of the prophecy that Christ gave us. That's right. Once you take that away and start applying it to other people, now you just got you just call God a liar because this prophecy that was right. for us, you're saying applies to other people. Right. They don't exactly. realize they they have bad they have logical errors in what they're saying and they just don't do not realize that. Right. Yeah. Well, the whole New Testament has been distorted in that way by deviating from the covenant message. Right. Exactly. It's yeah. just an explanation of the Abrahamic covenant. But they've been told that oh, it just applies to anybody because we don't know who these Christian Israelites. We don't know what happened to them. You see. That every pastor admits that there were Israelites there that that they say converted. They didn't convert to Christianity. They yeah. embraced Christianity because that's what that was prophesied to them that's at right. Mount Sinai. Amen. Amen. And that they just <laughs> and, and from Mount Sinai, some of them, not all, but very few, right. some of them embraced it all along. Right. Some of them right. were always Christians. They always embraced Yehoah. That's in, right. And yeah. Ab Abraham never... embraced Yehoah, and Abraham took Isaac to Har, -Yah Har Yehoah. It's, people say Yahweh, but uh, Doctor yeah. uh, Miles Jones says it was Yehoah. Okay. At any rate, they took him. He took Isaac to uh, sacrifice him at Har Yehoah, which is the mountain of God, which is Mount Sinai. That's where he took him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, see, and that's where Moses was when the burning bush. It was at Mount Sinai. What we and right. we know now that Mount Sinai is in Saudi Arabia. And all it would take for these guys to understand that is just to go there. And now you can. Now you can actually go there. They're taking tours there. The first tour was just this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Very good. Excellent. So uh, people will finally uh, be able to visit the real Mount Sinai. Now, of course, Saudi Arabia. Is making it like a theme park, right? So uh, I, I, don't, well, I, don't, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, it's just they're right, just out in the desert with rocks. But you know, they yeah, are taking right. people there, and I'm sure they're going to be very careful not to let anybody mess with their stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but it will be an uh, that part of uh, you know, it's just one part of Saudi Arabia, and they're going to change the laws to all, let all these other people into just that one area. But right. it's a pretty big area. It's 13 times the size of Manhattan, so it's a pretty right. good size. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, you know, that video, by the way, is up on Eurofolk Radio on our, one of our most recent posts. And so you can watch that documentary of the guy who discovered all of this stuff and uh, did a circuitous route around you know that, that whole peninsula called Saudi Arabia. Okay. And, but at the very end of that video, he expresses concern that the Saudi government won't 
be careful about all of these monuments and people and the tourists will start trampling them down, right? Well, so, yeah, I'm, I'm saying the same thing, but I, I don't know because this is the whole point of bringing people there is if they're trying to make money off tourism, you can't destroy the stuff people are coming to look at. That's right. So it just makes sense that they're going to take care of hopefully, it. Hopefully, hopefully. But, you know, uh, these Arabs aren't, uh, well, uh, the Muslims claim to be the descendants of uh, Abraham, right? Uh, and, uh, well, yeah, but they but they agree to that. See, they don't have a problem with us coming there because they think they you know teach the same thing that they're from Abraham, right? So, and that so it's to their best interest. Let's put it this way: it's to their best interest to take care of all that stuff best they can, not let people destroy it. Well, they've been doing that. They've been doing that ever since Ron Wyatt was there. They fenced a lot of it in, and blah right. blah blah. So I think they'll continue to do that. And that's what will draw people to that area, because otherwise, why would you want to go there? Right. Yeah, there's nothing else there, (laughs) except desert. Why would a Christian go there? No Christian would want to go there unless they're looking at the mountain of Moses, you know. Right. Well, those of us interested in biblical archaeology would certainly want to go there. How expensive is it? How expensive is it? uh, It never never was... uh, change from the mountain of Yehoah to some other mountain, has it? No, it's no, still no, the mountain has of it. Yehoah. So I think uh, that's probably still got some significance for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, since you've done research on this, uh, what is your opinion? Is the Mount Horeb, be- before uh, Moses went back to Egypt to collect the Israelites, he stopped at Mount Horeb. Is Horeb yeah, well, and Sinai uh, the same you know, mountain? The thing is, there's another book on my site from uh, Glenn Fritz, and he goes over a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. At any rate, uh, it, it appears that Mount Horeb and uh, you know are, Sinai and Mount Sinai are, are just side by side. If you look oh. at the videos, you can kind of okay. see the, the mountains kind of blend together, but it looks like kind of a mountain range, in other words. All right. That that Mount Sinai is on. So you're really just kind of going blending from one mountain to another. It's just another mountain on the North side of Mount Sinai. And they just kind of blend together. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Okay. But uh, the basic thrust of the movie and the documentation is that the split rock is there. The impressions of the feet of the Israelites are there. The altars there, the, the 12, the 12 altars are there. Everything's there. At Sinai. Everything you read yeah. in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Whatever, just read Exodus. Whatever's in Exodus, that's what's yeah. there. So the uh, B- Bible scholars have mislocated Sinai for all of these centuries. <laughs> right? Okay. Now, and it's however, really been if found. If you go, go there ahead. and you look around and you agree that, well, yeah, this is Mount Sinai. Well, okay. Now it's on the other side of the Gulf of Aqaba. So now you just need to work backwards and say, okay, how did they get here? Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Ron Wyatt figured that out, too. Oh, they only traveled three days, and they couldn't go that far. You know, it says that that Yehoah brought them out on eagles' wings. Right. Whatever that means. So They were with rapidity. And we got a lot of figures (laughs) of speech. However that means, he could have just, they could have just glided over there. I don't know how they got there. Well, I think they did. We know where they are. Now they just work backwards and figure out how they did it. I think they had ox carts and things like that, and all the the slower people were loaded into the ox carts, and they were going as fast as they could because they knew that the uh, chariots of the Pharaoh were on their tail. So, uh, so no, don't 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 say that. Look, they okay. did it in whatever time it took them to do it. 
Uh, Yehoah <laughs> did it. And now you just need to embrace the fact and work backwards yeah, it, and see if you can figure out how they did it. Right. And if you can't figure out how they did it, it really doesn't matter because they still did it. Okay. Yeah. Well, they did it. That's the important thing. Uh, the Bible says they did it. So therefore, they did it. Okay. Very good. Just, just, All right. Well, just go, go just, to the mountain just believe. And, and agree that that's the mountain. <laughs> right. If yeah. you agree that oh, that's the mountain, then that's good yeah. enough. Well, there's no doubt about that. All the evidence points to that. Uh, that's yeah, that's no good doubt. stuff. Yeah, right. Te okay. Cedar trees do not grow in Saudi Arabia. Fig ah, trees don't go out in the middle of the desert. You see? Uh -huh. Yeah. But it does at it, Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So let's get into today's topic. Ruth was an Israelite by Pastor Burton L. Compare. And I'm just going to start reading here. It is unfortunate that many preachers in their ignorance, and by the way, Bertrand Compare is a teacher of the covenants. You know, he was one of the basic pastors who understand, understood the concept of the covenants best from the rest of Judeo-Christianity and Dr. Swift as well. It is unfortunate that many preachers in their ignorance teach so many false doctrines. One such false doctrine is the statement that Yeshua was not of pure Israelite blood. They say one of his ancestors was Ruth, a Moabitess. From the use of this term, they believe that she was racially, not just geographically, a Moabite. In this they are greatly mistaken. The territory of the Moabites was originally east and northeast of the Dead Sea. It extended from the Arnon River on the south to the Jabbok River on the north. Then their territory went from the Dead Sea to the Jordan River on the west, across the plains and foothills, into the mountains to the east. From the name of the people who lived there, it was called Moab. It kept that name for many centuries after all the Moabites were gone from it. So here is the, uh, one of the important points, that there were no more Moabites living in that territory when Ruth occupied it. Okay? This is uh, the mistake that most people make. So they assume that there were all kinds of Moabites that living there and that somehow she married into them because uh, her origin is clearly in Judah, in Judah, that somehow she married into them and uh, thus became a racial Moabite. Uh, what's your understanding of that? Is that just a false teaching on the part of the churches? Well, let me ask you this way then. If we have a state called Texas over here and it's full of uh, Hispanics right. and we uh, take the territory and now a bunch of white people live there and do we continue to call it Texas? Well, sure, but now is it full of Mexicans or is it full of white people? Well, it's got both, right? But uh, but the territory... But the point is, it's yeah. still called the same thing. It's still called Texas. You see? Right. So, you know, people can move in and move out and it's still called the same land, but right. the people... Or different races, so how do you figure that out? Well, that's all that happened here. David went in and uh, wiped these people out of the land because he was told to. Right. And then all these Israelites moved in because it was free land. It's the whole yeah. reason people went west across the United States and, and lived out in the middle of nowhere is because it was free. Right. Yeah, they're called Americans. They were white Americans, right? And Ruth was a white Judahite. Well, I mean, they braved the Indians and, and, and the elements, but the point is they were given this view of, look, you can go over there and possess the land, so they did, and that's what happened back then. Same yeah. thing. Yes. Okay. That doesn't mean that white people went over and married the Indians. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, although that happened too. 
<laughs> right? So, uh, what's, what's that song? Uh, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. <laughs> right? So, we got all kinds of error being taught about the, the Bible because they just make these false assumptions. Now, we know who's uh, suggesting these false assumptions in the first place, but uh, if we stick to the covenants, we can't go wrong. Okay? Now, um, let's continue. Well, you, you, Eli, you can just read what it says in Ruth, and you can see she talks about her kinsmen. She uses the word kinsmen right? three times, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if, well uh, that doesn't apply to just anybody. Uh, absolutely. It doesn't apply to just someone you marry. That's not what it means. Right. Well, why don't you keep the book of Ruth open while I read through this document by, by uh, Pastor Camperay, okay? Because, uh, you know, you, you can... Uh, uh, do real quick references. He doesn't reference the book of Ruth much in this article. He makes other references. Well, really, just looking at the words in Ruth should uh, be a big help. I, yeah. I don't even have it open, but I'll pull it up. Go oh, ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Okay. So when the Israelites entered the promised land after their 40 years wandering during the Exodus, the land of Moab was first the first land they conquered. Yahweh had commanded Israel to totally exterminate the occupants of the lands they were to settle. In Moab, they did so. Okay, and in, uh, or they drove them out completely. Okay, so there were no Moabites uh, left. And I think they did the same to the Ammonites, but the Ammonites and the Moabites, even though they were descended from Lot, had become pagans and uh, pagan worshippers and intermarried with other people. So they were forbidden, the Israelites were forbidden to intermarry with them. Continuing, at this time, about 1450 BC, Sion king of the Amorites, had conquered and occupied the kingdom of Moab and was its ruler when the Israelites came in. In Numbers 21, 25, and 29, we read, quote, For Heshbon was the city of Sion, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and taken all his land out of his hand, even unto Arnon. Woe unto thee, Moab! Thou art undone, O people of Chemosh. Chemosh is the god they worship. He hath given his sons that escaped and his daughters into captivity unto Sion, king of the Amorites. Okay, so here's the first instance that the territory was cleared of these Moabites. The Israelites conquered the land of Moab, killing all the people found there. We read in Deuteronomy 2, 32-34, quote, then Sion came out against us, he and all his people, to fight at Jahaz. Now, Sion had already conquered the Moabites, okay? So now we're talking about the Amorites, to fight at Jahaz. And Yahweh our God delivered him before us. We smote him and his sons and all his people. We took all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men and the women and the little ones of every city. We left none to remain, unquote. Uh, is there any uh, unclarity here? Is there anything? Uh, not one. It says not one was left, not even the children. So that uh, could it be possible that Ruth, when she moved into this territory, encountered anybody if the Bible says not one person was left of them? Well, right? no. In fact, it says, uh, I was just reading through Ruth here. I, I found okay. it, but just go ahead for a second. Let me uh, mm -hmm. get this together and I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. Uh, make a comment. Okay, again. What these uh, Judeo-Christians do is they do, well, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, 
right? And if you only have a little knowledge, then you jump to, to conclusions, false conclusions, and you have to look up the history of the territory to find out whether, in fact, Ruth could even possibly marry a, a non-Israelite in that old territory, all right? So let's continue. From here, the Israelites advanced northward into the land of Ammon. Numbers 21, 35 describes it, quote, And they turned and went up by way of Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, I believe Og was a giant, went out against them, he and all his people, to the, to the battle at Edrai. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Fear him not, for I have delivered him into thy hand, and all his people and his land, and thou shalt do to him as thou didst unto Sion, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So right. they, then, then did they do anything, or did Jehovah do it? Because he, well, he did. That he did it. Right. Well, but he used the Israelites, and he gave them the strength to do it. Right. Right. He he did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was he, his intention. He, he he was the one that took care of that. That's Christ the uh, Rock. When you see that, that's what Christ the Rock is. He helps you uh, accomplish something, or he fights for you, or whatever. Right, go, right. Go ahead. Yeah, well, and in, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter, oh, what chapter is it? 24, I believe. If we keep his laws, he will fight for us. He will He will fight our battles for us. You know, that that's why we have to keep on obeying his law. But let's continue. So they smote him and his sons and all his people until there was none left alive, and they possessed the land. So we have two instances where the father, Yahweh, and through his angels, whatever forces he chooses to use, smites our enemies, and he wiped them out. Okay? Christ the rock. That's that's what Christ the rock does. Okay. That's why Israelites have power with God, because God fights for them or gives them the ability to win or whatever. Yeah, but we choose not to use that power when we sin. When we sin, we rebel against that power, and we we lose it. (laughs) That's why but we're we always have, in trouble. But we have power because we can go to God in prayer. Other right. people you, right. don't have the power to do that. No, they don't. Yeah, they're because they're not Israelites. They're not, none of this was promised to them. Okay. Right. Exactly. So yeah. So this entire area of the Jordan River was settled by the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. After all the original inhabitants, the Moabites and the Ammonites, had been killed or driven out, and that includes the Amorites. Okay, he doesn't mention the Amorites in his sentence, but they were driven out as well. In Deuteronomy 3, 12 through 6, Moses tells us, quote, And this land which we possessed at that time from Eroer, which is by the river Arnon, and half Mount Gilead and the cities thereof, gave I unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites, and the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, the other half of the tribe of Manasseh was on the other side of the Jordan River. It was the only tribe that got split in half like that. And unto the Reubenites and unto the Gadites I gave from Gilead even unto the river Arnon, half the valley and the border even unto the river Jabbok, which is the border of the children of Ammon. Okay, so here... He's describing the territory that was vacated by all non-Israelites. Okay. All right, and and here's the link. Here's the link right here. If you go up to chapter 4 of Ruth, uh, verse 3, it's talking about redemption. There's that part of our state which belonged to Naomi. In other words, 
who has resided in the plain of Moab. Mm-hmm. See, she wasn't a Moab, no Moabite. She just lived there. Right. She lived in Texas. It says it right there. <laughs> she just lived there. Yeah. Doesn't make her a Texan. She could have right. moved there and then moved back out, right? There you go. Yeah. yeah if, you're from, if you live in Oklahoma and you go to Texas and reside there for a while, and then you come back to Oklahoma and claim your land, it doesn't mean you're a Texan. Right. Exactly. And that's the situation here with Ruth. She was, and uh, her residence there was only temporary. Uh, she moved there because of the drought. Okay. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Free, free land, and they could just went over there and lived for a while, and then they came back. That's all yeah. there is to it. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the book of Ruth clearly tells us this. So how in the world is she a Moabite, racially? I mean, She's it, not. You just got pastors that read stuff, and they don't know what they're reading, and they don't have anybody to explain it to them, so they make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I, I see this is a very short article, so maybe we, uh, after I finish reading this, He's just giving us the reasons why Ruth could not possibly be a, a genetic Moabitess. That's that's all he's doing. No, well, he used the word kinsman. That's what I was highlighting. In right. Here. I was going through highlighting this kinsman, she, kindred, that kind of thing. Right. She was an Israelite by kin, by kinship. Right. That's what it's right. telling us. Okay. Yes. All right. And so, yeah, the Judeo-Christian ministry just ignores this stuff because they're trying to destroy the covenants. They're trying to destroy the covenant message in any way they possibly can to universalize the, the Bible to include all, all the world's non-Israelites. Well, if, they don't. They don't understand it's important to Israel people, and it's written to Israel's people specifically because they've had other people tell them, "Well, it just applies to everybody." Now, look, it started out that way. In, in chapter one, verse two, it says they went to the plain of Moab, and mine just says they remained there. So, in other words, they just moved over there because they needed uh, to, you know, grow food and they needed water, whatever they needed. They just moved there. Yeah, they were they had to move out of the drought-stricken area, and that's why they moved there, right? So, they just hooked up their trailer on the back of their GMC, and they took off. Well, they had (laughs) ox carts. They had ox carts. You know, (laughs) our people are resourceful, right? So uh, even when we went across the Caucasus Mountains, when we came down the other side, we built ox carts. In fact, covered wagons. Right? Took their two horsepower uh, ox carts. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right? Like my yeah. Dodge Charger. Yeah, 400 right. horses. Right? So, yeah, this man, it's just amazing how they can distort the scriptures and get away with it. Because... Well, we're supposed well, to it, learn. Because it says her two sons took Moabitesses, wives. Well, okay. But the Moabitesses, you know, that were the wives were other Israelites. They didn't That's violate right. his law. See, when, when pastors look at that, they say, oh, they violated the law, so the law doesn't matter, yeah. blah, blah, blah. They, they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Yeah. And Rahab, who was the uh, innkeeper at uh, Shechem, I believe it was, where she hid the Israelite spies, right? Yeah, she had she had to be a, a non-Israelite too, okay? Because she's also in the genealogy of Christ. So they they take liberties with the text and assume all the wrong things in order to besmirch the genealogy. 
That's what they're yeah. trying to do. But what they're doing is they're trying to destroy the word and say, right. well, it's not racial now because it says this or it says that. And therefore, we're just going to read it this way and say it doesn't, doesn't need nothing about race in the Bible anymore. Or that, you know, here's a problem because this says this over here. Right. So what they do is they take one piece, apply to whatever context they want to it in the Bible. And then they, they uh, you know, basically get all these people believing that it does, it's not a racial covenant anymore. That's right. That's right, and uh, unfortunately, Rick Wiles believes that too. But well, uh, yeah, they all believe that, Eli. They yeah. all believe that. We probably believe that before somebody like you came along yeah. and said, "Well, wait a minute, that's wrong." <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Un- for, unfortunately for me, I never really embraced uh, Judeo-Christianity. You know, I was raised Catholic, and my mother uh, uh, alerted me as to what the Jews really are, how evil they really are. And so I said, wait a minute, you know, this, uh, this doesn't make sense. So I went searching, and uh, my first real be- belief, my first real belief system, other than the fact I was raised Catholic, was Christian identity. So I went straight from Catholicism to Christian identity. And so, uh, but uh, the Catholic Church that I was raised up in it was all white people. There were no non-whites. I never ran into a non-white in my whole upbringing. You know, until I was went to college. Well, that that's probably true for you know when I was a kid and was in church and all that kind of thing. But the, all you got to remember here is that look, this is this is real simple to figure out if you just realize it's a book about a covenant. Mm-hmm. God made a promise to a specific group of people, and if you just stick with that and read the Bible in that context, then it will make sense in yes. that context, and you won't ever make it about anybody else because it'll be obvious that's what it's right. about. If you remember that, it doesn't change in the New Testament. Everything in the it New Testament is just explanation of the old. Right. Well, last week's show was devoted to pointing out that wherever you see the word Gentile in the New Testament, by cross-referencing, you find out that the cross-references invariably refer to Israelites. Okay? Yeah. So that yeah, word you'd be Gentile. You'd much better off just reading it for yourself and, and realizing this kind of stuff than going to church and listening to somebody lie to you and then trying to figure out what's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, the lies poison the well. And so Judeo-Christianity is a poison well, folks. That's what it is, okay? So let's well, continue. Well, even if they don't do it intentionally, it really doesn't matter because they're still, you know, they, they're not going out looking for what, they're not trying to embrace what's correct. No. And I, I just can't believe people read the Bible. If, if they're a teacher, if they're going to be a pastor and you're hiring them to teach you, how can they do that and then no, not go out and do the research they should be doing to figure out what it's about? Yes, right. So we see that uh, from uh, this documentation from the scriptures, this is not stuff made up by Bertrand Compré. It's the Judeo-Christians who make stuff up, okay? So that uh, unto unto the Reubenites and the Manassites and the Gadites, I have given this territory. It was cleared out of all other people before Ruth ever moved in. And he continues, all of this was accomplished about 1450 B.C., From this time on, this was purely Israelite territory. This was even more so than the land west of the Jordan River, because the old lands of Moab and Ammon, none were left alive. Today, Anglo-Saxon Americans who live in California are called Californians, but they're all moving to Texas now. Bearing this name and living in a former Mexican territory doesn't make them Mexicans. Likewise, Pure Israelites living in the old land of Moab were often called Moabites, just as those who lived in Galilee were called Galileans. That's a very good uh, way of putting it, too. But who were the Galileans, David? 
Uh, well, Israelites, but uh, I'm not sure how, how, yeah. how, what kind of mix you actually had yeah. there. I mean, you, you had Benjamites mostly, yes. I think. They, mostly Benjamites, absolutely. Because all the, all the apostles, except Judas, were Benjaminites. Okay, the, the, the scriptures tell us that. 300 years later, about 1143 B.C., we find evidence that the Israelite occupation of the lands of Moab and Ammon was still unbroken. In Judges 11, 12 through 26, we read, quote, And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do with me, that thou art come against me to fight in my land? And the king of the children of Ammon answered unto the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land, those damn Israelites, they came up out of, well, it was Yahweh. <laughs> Yahweh did it. And when they came out of Egypt from Arnon, even unto Jabbok, and unto Jordan, now therefore restore again those lands peaceably. And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon, and said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah, when Israel came up from Egypt, so all of the people in the territory knew the history of Israel. They knew what the Israels were doing the Israelites were doing, and uh, these things are all fresh in their own minds, right? But not in the minds of modern theologians, okay? He, and he says, uh, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. And in like manner they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent. Then they went along through the wilderness and compassed the uh, land of Edom, and the land of Moab, and pitched on the other side of Arnon, but came not within the border of Moab. For Arnon was the border of Moab. And the Israel, and Israel sent messengers unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, the king of Heshbon. And Israel said unto him, Let us pass, we pray thee, through thy land into my place. But Sihon trusted not Israel to pass through his coast. But Sion gathered all his people together and pitched at Jahaz and fought against Israel. So all this history is fresh in the minds of these non-Israelite tribes. And Yahweh, God of Israel, delivered Sion and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites, the inhabitants of that country. And they possessed all the coasts of the Amorites from Arnon even unto Jabbok, and from the wilderness even unto Jordan. While Israel dwelt at Hershbon, and I think it should be Heshbon, and her towns, and in Oror, and her towns, and in all the cities that be along the coast of Arnon, three hundred years. Why therefore did ye not recover them within that time? So this is an argument between two non-Israelite kings, and they they all know the history that the Israelites took over this territory. Okay, but none of these Judeo-Christian ministers has ever bothered to read this stuff. Well, don't and, use logic with them; they will confuse them. Yeah, right. That will. Well, if you're confused already, logic doesn't do much good. You have to sit them down and say, start from the very beginning, right? Uh, identity 101. The Israelites had held unbroken possession of the land of Moab and Ammon all that time, and all of these other tribes were familiar with this. Right in the middle of this period, about 1322 B.C., or 130 years after the Israelites of the tribes of Reuben and Gad had occupied the land of Moab, Elimelech, a man of Judah, with his wife Naomi and his two sons, were driven by famine out of Judah. 
Okay. Oh, yeah, it says that. Uh, in fact, I was just looking at that. Where did it say that? Oh, they went to uh, they, the bread. She uses the term bread. Mm-hmm. That they, uh, the reason she went back is because she says the ever-living gave, her, gave them bread again. So that's why she was returning to her own people. I think that's the original meaning of the town of Bethlehem, Ephratah, the town of bread, or the city of bread. I think that's what the original meaning of Bethlehem was. But uh, it's continuing here. So, uh, so by famine, they were driven out of Judah. Ruth 1.1 records that he went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Okay. In the country of Moab. Note the accuracy of that expression. It doesn't say among the people, but in the country of Moab, which was right. occupied by Israelites exclusively. Elimelech's sons married women of this country, one of them being Ruth, who became an ancestor of David, and through David, an ancestor of Yahshua. She could not have been of any race except Israel, for no others lived there. Okay? That's logical, folks. With all the quotations he's made about the territory of Moab being cleared of Moabites, you can only come to one conclusion, that Ruth did not marry an old, a Moabite and therefore could not be a Moabitess by race. Yeah, right? yeah, and even if people, like I said, even if they wanted to argue about all that kind of stuff, look, what are you, what are you trying to argue? You're trying to argue yeah. that Yehoah doesn't take care of his people? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, yeah that he, was uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 6 about the bread. So she went back because... They were. Uh, they. She realized that there was bread available where she came from. Right. That's why she she went back from Moab back to where she came from. So that was one verse seven. So it tells you they left because there was no bread. Right. Exactly. When she realized they had bread, they went back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, uh, let's see. Indeed, it could not have been otherwise, because from the beginning, Yahweh very strongly condemned the Moabites and Ammonites. In Deuteronomy 23.3, Yahweh commanded, quote, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of Yahweh forever. Okay, all right. So, since uh, that would be a violation of his own law, he would not allow Ruth to marry outside of the Israel race, which of course. Oh, but if they went to the land of Moab, they could just race mix, and that would be okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's what the that's what the Judeo Christian clergy tells us, right? Yeah. 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 But right here it says you can't, you will not intermarry with these with these people. It's against my law. Okay. There you go. So. So, in the 10th generation, there could be as little as one part of 1,056 of Moabite blood. Even still, a person with even one part in 1,000 of Moabite blood could not enter into the congregation of Yahweh forever, okay? So, Ruth was an Israelite, all right? So, you can argue, you know, which tribe she was from, doesn't matter, Because an Israelite man can marry any Israelite woman from any one of the tribes. He can even marry an Adamic woman. And his offspring would be counted as members of his tribe. And that tribe was Judah. So the offspring of uh, Ruth were Judahites. And so the, the the covenant message was preserved in Jesus Christ. There's no other possibility. Go ahead. 
If if she was a Moabite, how how would she know about the ever living? You know, she uh, Ruth calls on the ever living and uh, was at one seventeen. Okay. Uh, Wherever you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. That ever living do this to me, and more, to, if anything but death shall part between me and you. Okay, so she's calling on the ever living to curse her. If she, you know, yeah. parts from Naomi. Who would do? What Moabites would know about the ever living? Right, and who? Yeah, what Moabites would care? They worshipped uh, all kinds of gods, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, it was, I just, uh, read that and they completely miss all the the uh, important stuff, you know, and then focus on oh, you know, they're they're mixing their races over here, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know why they would even think that. But well, why not the, just well, the read Jews it as a racial book and start with that first. Well, the Jews who started that forever it was the Jews who first taught that Ruth was a Moabitess by race, a non-Israelite. Yeah, but, yeah, okay. But why pastors try to get yeah, right. that. And yeah. then all they're doing is is chasing people off from the church that can think. Yeah, that's you know, right. They get rid of all, all the people that can think logically leave because they can't stand that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They can't stand illogical religion, illogical anything, right? Yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, three more paragraphs here. Yahweh was always consistent in this as in other matters. In Zephaniah 2 9, we read, quote, Therefore, as I live, saith Yahweh, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, which were completely destroyed. Jeremiah chapter 48, the whole chapter is a condemnation of the people of Moab. In prophesying the triumphant return of Yahshua, Isaiah 25.10 tells us, quote, For in this mountain shall the land of Yahweh rest, and Moab shall be trodden down under him even as straw is trodden down for the dunghill, unquote. Certainly Yahweh would not take from a people whom he condemns like Sodom a woman to be an ancestor of Yahshua. Never let anyone tell you Yahshua was only a mongrel with the blood of other races in his veins. Yahweh was so insistent that, it, that even the least peasant among his people Israel must keep the bloodline pure under penalty of being cut off from his people for violation of this law, namely the covenant law. Yahshua said in Matthew 15, oh, sorry, 5, 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. We have the clearest proof, both as God the Father and God the Son, Yahweh was consistently true to his own commandments. Ruth was a pure Israelite from the land of Moab, but not from the race of Moab. End of article. Well said. This is the kind of Bible research that is sorely lacking from the Judeo-Christian clergy. They do, do not go into any great depth of study. In fact, uh, the, the average Judeo-Christian church doesn't teach anything about the Pharisees. They avoid that subject like the plague. Well, right? it's because they're teaching the Bible from uh, the aspect is that now it just applies to anybody, and all this old stuff in the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore, so it doesn't matter if they get it right or wrong. You know, it's just stories now because there's no racial covenant anymore. That's the way they're 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 teaching it basically. Yeah, yeah, and they totally ignore the covenants. They, now, there are some churches. If you drive down the streets of Chicago, you'll see a church here and a church there. It says Church of the Covenant. What covenant? Yeah, yeah, right, right. yeah, right. Yeah, it used to be a covenant. Now it's just <laughs> our covenant. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, they make things but, up. 
But the logic is, is that once you uh, get rid of the Abrahamic covenant, you destroy the prophecies. That's right. That apply to those people. And so you're destroying the whole Bible. Basically, you're destroying what Christ already said. He already gave you a prophecy. And, and, and so if you destroy that, look, if you destroy those prophecies, here's what the problem is. The real problem is, okay, but Christ is in those prophecies. Yes. Yes. What, uh, if you destroy the prophecies of the Old Testament, haven't you already, also destroyed? I'm going to keep yeah. messing up this word here. Have you already destroyed this prophecy about Christ coming to Israel? Yes. Why would you say Christ would come to Israel as prophesied if you get rid of the prophecies and say that none of that matters anymore? You see, Where, where's the logic? Yeah. Where's yeah, the yeah. logic? They just they just said it doesn't matter, but now you, you're trying to say, well, the prophecies do matter because Christ came. Right. Not only that, Eli, but the prophecies in the Old Testament are about the first coming and the second coming. So if you get rid of the prophecies in the Old Testament, what about the prophecies of the second coming? They're in the Old Testament. Are you going to yes. get rid of them too? Yes. Because those prophecies in the Old Testament are specific to Israel. There's no yes. prophecy in the Old Testament about Christ coming to just anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. It's not there. All those prophecies in the Old Testament about the second coming are specific to Christ coming to Israel. Right. Just read, you know, Isaiah start about chapter 40. You don't got to go more than about 40 through 44, and you realize, right. oh, wait a minute. Everything in the New Testament that it's talking about here, which all links to the New Testament, is about Israel's, Jacob, Israel specific. Amen. Not about the whole world. Exactly. So exactly. now they take it and apply it to anyone, but that's not what the prophecies say. So they right. completely destroy what Christ said. They're mm -hmm. basically might as well just throw their stupid Bibles away because they don't know what they're saying when they, they no destroy the, pro the racial about. covenant. They destroy the Bible. That's right. Uh, they're teaching. Well, that's what Paul prophesied in Second Thessalonians chapter two. They turn against the truth, and because they have no love for the truth, they will be destroyed. That's the well, look, I understand if they don't understand it, that's fine. But at some point, if you're paying them to know what they're teaching, right. at some point, they want to come and, and talk about it. I'd be willing to talk about anything they want to talk about and yeah. argue my point. The point talk is, about if they don't the want to talk, well, that's their yeah. problem. Yeah, those those clergy might as well be talking about the weather. Yeah, that's how you know relevant their their rhetoric is to the to the Bible because they totally ignore the covenants. All right, well, let me pick yeah, they, so they destroy yeah. the second coming. If you destroy the second coming, you might as well throw the whole Bible away. That's right. That's right. And it's all about and, the covenants. And, you know, I, I made that point with you before. I said, well, you know, technically, technically, if Christ doesn't come back and fulfill the prophecies as he stated before, then he's still not Christ. That's right. He's got to come back. He's got to fulfill this stuff, or he's not even Christ. That's right. If you think about it, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the issue that, uh, again, because last week we talked about the fact you know, there's, a, there's a real issue among us in Christian identity. So whenever you know, there, there is such a thing as evil Israelites, okay, it's not always the Jews. Uh, we don't need we, Israelites don't need Jews to prod them into evil acts. You know, just look at the whole Old Testament. It was Israel disobeying Yahweh, right, that caused him to smite them with other with other kingdoms. You know, so it was our own damn fault. 
Okay. Yeah, and, and exactly. And I and that's what was really going on in the New Testament. I, I realize that, you know, like I said before, I realize there's Edomites there, but that's not who the prophecies are written to. They're only written to Israelites that's who right. rejected Christ. That's right. And those to accept them. Now, either if you're an Israelite, you have a choice. At, at Calvary, when he fulfilled the redemption, he fulfilled the promise of redemption, which what was the verse where that was promised? It was promised before the Mosaic Law. Okay, it was given to the bloodline of Israel. Uh, you you quoted it last week. At, uh, it was uh, oh, uh, Genesis. Uh, Christ himself was really promised in Genesis fifteen one. That was Genesis the, fifteen one. Okay, right. yeah. Christ the shield. That's where he really he really talks about it because we know the shield is Christ. And, right, and I made those connections. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, but uh, but even Paul says that the promise was made four hundred thirty years before Moses. Right. And fifteen okay. one is four hundred thirty. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that that promise, that promise of redemption, was made before the Mosaic Law. And so what Paul is trying to explain to the Romans and the Galatians and all the other Israelite tribes that he's te teaching to is not that the law was done away with. He's simply saying that the promise of redemption was, was given way before the Mosaic Law was even conceived. So don't be uh, haughty about the fact that you of Judah had been practicing all these rituals for the last 2,000 years. Don't get right. all huffity and puffity about that because this promise was made to all 12 tribes. He came to redeem all 12 tribes, not just the house of Judah. And, but then when he argued, Stephen and him both, when they argued in front of the Sanhedrin, they said, well, you didn't follow the law anyway. Stephen made it very specific. He said it was given to you by an agency of angels. The law was not given to anybody sitting there by an agency of angels who was not an Israelite. So he right. was absolutely speaking to Israelites. But then he said, but you didn't follow it. Right. See, so, yes, it was Israelites. They were given the uh, authority to, uh, you know, to hold people accountable to the law. But then they weren't they were violating the law themselves. So right. technically, they don't have authority when they're not violating the law. But we have that same problem today. You know, we got all these people in authority over us, but they uh, violate the law more than the, the public does. This is Yahweh's punishment upon us for disobeying his laws. Now, uh, right. again, we are covered if we keep his laws and they cannot hurt us if we keep yeah, his you, laws. Yeah, okay. If you repent and you, you yeah, exactly. Right. If you repent and you uh, pray to him and all that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But you got to kind of stick with that. And that's all he tells you to do when he tells you to uh, those that stick with it to the end. How's that phrase that they'll be redeemed? That's all he's saying throughout your life. In other words, just stick with what he said and you'll be right. redeemed. That's what he's uh, saying. Uh, wander not to the left. Wander not to the right. Don't become a Democrat or a Republican. Just be an Israelite and obey his laws and you'll be fine, okay? So, uh, but let's get back to the book of Ruth because the... Uh, well, yeah, and I went through here and I highlighted all the stuff. You want me to kind of hit on some of the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Here, yeah, here, let me just read uh, verses uh, 19 through 22 here in the book of Ruth, chapter 1. So they too, that's Naomi and Ruth, went until they came to Bethlehem, the city of bread. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? They, they, re they remembered her. 
Right, okay. right. Yeah. yeah. See, see this, this book of Ruth is actually a prophecy of the coming of Christ because he did the same thing. Didn't Jesus yeah. leave uh, Nazareth at the age of 12 and then return at the age of approximately 30? So the 18 isn't years. This, isn't this this kid that gave us yeah. so much trouble way yeah, back right. when he was only 12 yeah. years old? Good riddance. <laughs> Good riddance. So when he comes back, he opens up the book of Isaiah and says, these prophecies are today fulfilled in your ears. And where have you been all this time in Britain? What's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so, so just as Ruth had left and been gone for a while, and when she returned, everybody, oh, okay, uh, yeah, wh- where have you been all these years? Well, right. say, yeah, okay, there's so many events in this book of Ruth that are uh, uh, reflective of his ministry when he walked the earth. It's incredible. Verse 20, and she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Wait a minute, i got to look that word up. What does Mara mean? Uh, bitter. Okay, oh, call, bitter. call me bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Well, it started with the drought, right? And so she had to go searching for a a wife for her son. Uh, I went out full, and Yahweh hath brought me home again, empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? Let me see what Naomi means. It means pleasant. So she was formerly pleasant, now she's bitter. Seeing Yahweh hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Well, I mean, these, these years of drought are an affliction. You know, people uh, aren't very happy when that happens. Well, so, no, I think she's maybe talking about the fact that her husband died and some oh, of yeah, all kind that, of stuff is all what that she's stuff, really yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. Because she's the thing widow. is, really, when she came back, then she was actually blessed. And the fact that uh, Ruth stuck with her was actually a blessing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think she's kind of bummed out because her husband died and her son and so forth. Right. Well, this is a, a lesson that's repeated over and over in Scripture, one of the first episodes was with Joseph, all of the bitterness that he had to endure. But what happened? He became the second most powerful man in Egypt. He literally had a free hand to rule Egypt. And the the Pharaoh fulfilled his every wish. So what did he do? He, he obeyed the law against race mixing. He refused to uh, intermarry with Potiphar's wife, who tried to seduce him, and he got thrown in prison for that. All right? Now, I ask you, how many of you, of you white guys listening, uh, if, if some uh, half-breed uh, Mexican lady, somewhat good-looking, tried to seduce you? You know, that would be hard to resist, right? But Joseph resisted, and he got thrown into prison for that. But ultimately, when you demonstrate to Yahweh that you, that you will obey his law, he will elevate you. That's what happens. You get elevated for obeying his law. But you have to be tried and tested first. Now, Yahweh's not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You have to be tried, tried in the refiner's fire. That's the prophecy, folks, the refiner's fire. Verse 22. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, by by residency, not by race, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Very interesting, the barley harvest. 
Okay. So wait a minute. That's the bread that she's talking about when she <laughs> returned, because uh, she said the ever living had visited his people and given them bread. That's right? uh, chapter one, verse six. Okay. See, so that's what he's talking about. So Boaz is getting bread. That's why they came back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so and now chapter two starts with what I like to call the first date, the first blind date <laughs> in recorded history. Ruth meets Boaz. Ruth chapter two, verse one. Now, uh, did you have a, another comment before we continue here? Well, uh, oh. except that, uh, you know, kinsmen. So when you start at uh, chapter two, it says uh, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a relative, in other words. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Yes. So that uses the term there. And then chapter three, verse two, it also uses uh, kindred. So now uh-huh. there is not Boaz, our kindred. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So again, if you read carefully, you realize that the idea that Ruth was a non-Israel is just you know, it's total balderdash. Okay. So Ruth. Yeah, otherwise, it wouldn't use kindred. It would use some other term. It wouldn't exactly. use a racial term. Kindred's a racial term for Israel. Not not. It just doesn't apply to everybody on earth. Right. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's obvious that the Israelites were forbidden to marry outside of their race. The word kinsman can only apply to Israel, okay? Right. That, that kind of teaching, doesn't, thinking doesn't apply if you're a pastor. <laughs> you right. have to actually teach the Bible if yeah. you uh, use right. terms yeah. in the right context. Yeah, if you don't want to apply the covenant to all people and races. Well, how is that going, folks? How uh, is the is the world being converted to Christianity or is the world going to hell in a handbasket? Oh, what's converting to Christianity? It's converting to Jail Christianity. Now you gotta understand, look, you know, first of all, everybody on earth is gonna follow God's law and be bound by his law. That's not eventually the issue at all. Eventually. In yes. fact, uh, the whole earth is gonna benefit by the fact that there's one group of people who will be blessed by Christ to enforce this enforce law worldwide. The law. Right. So Every that people shall will die. not be killing each other, stealing from each other, and all that kind of thing. So yeah. it's, it's a benefit. It's not that, okay, yeah. so there's one group of people who are going to be judges and, you know, whatever. But yeah. the thing is, it's going to be a blessing to the whole earth. So I don't know why, you know, no right. one should have a problem with it. In fact, you should be glad there's going to be somebody to take care of all this, and there's just not going to be all this killing and raping and stealing going on. Yes, yes. Well, it's interesting that because uh, I have taught this to a mixed multitude, you know, because we're on the air, anybody can listen to this, okay? And some of them have contacted me, like a, f- a few Mexicans have contacted me, and they understand that in the kingdom they will be under our dominion. Right. They don't have a but, problem but with no, that. The Jews claim that. So what they say is, <laughs> well, don't you know all these Gentiles will be our slaves? That's right. what Rick Wiles uh, mentioned on that show. Okay. They, that's how they think. Is that everybody's just going to be their slave and bow to Jews because they're Jews and supposedly, you know, they're Israelites. But yeah. they don't have to tr- embrace Christ. Yes, yes. And so they understand that. They understand, you know, they don't believe that they don't buy it as Jewish balderdash. That uh, you know, all races come from uh, Noah and Naama. They don't. They don't believe that, right? That's another Jewish lie. Okay, so uh, and they understand that uh, when. And, and by the way, in uh, in Revelation three nine, we are told because that whole book is written to Israel by Israel and for Israel. Actually, it was written by Yahshua with the finger of John as as his scribe. It that whole book is to, for, by, and about the Israelites, 
And he says in Revelation 3, 9, Know ye not that these Jews who say they are Jews and are not uh, are the synagogue of Satan and will bow down unto you. All right? Yeah, and so obviously you've got some uh, fake, uh, some people who are claiming to be Israelite who are are not, and they're going to have to bow to the real Israelites. But that's not really going to happen. It doesn't appear until the very end. Until the very end. No, the Jews will never give up their claim to being Israel until the very end when they are finally totally exposed or destroyed. You know, what, but this well, obvious, no, because you know, when you're at chapter 17, they're trying to kill Christ and his people. I mean, that's that basically, that's what Revelation is about. They're trying to kill his people all that's right. entirely through war. Yeah. As you can see. Because that's the only way they can avoid. Whatever means they can. That's right. Yeah, because they're the but children somehow, of the devil. somehow, Eli, they think that they're going to be successful. And I think it's just that, uh, you know, the Satan is just misleading them and getting them to do all these things, thinking that they're going to be successful. Oh, absolutely. Not. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, well, they do control the whole world at this very moment. There's uh, they control well, the legal well, system. Well, they do, except they, uh, you know, when Christ has his hand over things, you know, he's the one that's really in control. So it's just oh, yeah. a matter of the fact that once he pulls his hand away from you, he could, once Christ is not your shield anymore, you're going to find yeah. out who Christ is. Well, you know even Paul saying? says that, that Satan is the prince of this world, and he's the prince of the air. They control the airwaves. They control our military, our air force, they, and the bombs and the guided missiles that uh, fly all over the world, destroying nations, and we get the blame for it. But they're right. the ones doing all this. But uh, when he and when they can he, do it right now, except that, like I say, as long as Christ, the shield, is protecting it, yes. he's the one that's really in control. And then once he pulls his hand away and lets them do whatever they want right. to do, then you'll find out who Christ is. Because yeah. when he's got his hand on you, is Christ the shield? So all these people that don't even know who Christ the shield is, right? You see, and that was the promise that in Genesis fifteen one, it's Christ the shield, Christ the rock, and of course, you know, Christ the redeemer. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, so let's continue with Ruth uh, 2, verse uh, 2. Uh, now let me start again with verse chapter, 1. Chapter 2. Yeah. Chapter 2, yeah, 2, 1. And Noemi had a kinsman of her husband's, again, we're talking about Israelites, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Now Boaz is a type of Christ. Right. Ruth is a type of Israel. Okay, obviously he's in the bloodline of David, so he's more than a type of Christ, he is his ancestor, okay? But uh, Ruth represents Israel marrying Christ. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn, after him who in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. So she went out into the field, as a very humble woman, right. Israel, you have to be humble. So she's humbly accepting the, uh, the yeah. protection of Boaz is what it boils down to. Right, yeah. And, and, then, and we know Boaz is uh, referring to the ever-living here because that's in uh, verse 4. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the ever-living be with you. And, and they replied, the ever-living bless you. So there you go. Yes. Okay, uh, it doesn't tell us, uh, okay, it says Boaz, <clears throat> an unused root of uncertain meaning. Probably Pastor Steve would have uh, an idea what the word means. But verse 2, 
And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. Okay, so uh, so whose, whose field is this? Like maybe she doesn't even know it belongs. The field belongs to Moses. Uh, Moses. Boy. Well, it doesn't look like at that moment she knows. Right, not uh, at that moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard to say. You know, yeah, but so she'll go out in the field, and then it seems like that's when she really uh, meets Boaz right. and so forth. And yeah. uh, she's probably never seen him before until then. That's correct. That's correct. And uh, and nobody saw Yahweh until Yahshua showed up. Okay. And but uh, some some of the Israelites were expecting him. In fact, I'd say most of the Israelites were expecting him. But the Pharisees were not because they could care less about Israelite history. Uh, all, all they had to do pretend to be Israel was to pretend to obey his laws, and uh, they were administering his laws under Herod because the Levitical priesthood had uh, bowed out and no, were no longer necessary. So well, they filled yeah, that they void. They might have had authority, but they were just using the law to beat over everybody's heads so they could take money and, and stay in authority, and that's exactly. all they cared about. That's all they cared about. So uh, we find in the book of John that they really knew very little about the law, but they were still in authority because you, know, you have pretenders everywhere. All politicians in the world today are pretenders. They believe, they pretend to uphold the law. How many times has, uh, uh, what's her face, uh, uh, the, the Speaker of the, the House pretended to, to uh, refer to the U.S. Constitution? She violates it every day. Pelosi. She well, violates. all of them do, but the yeah. point is, you know, if we're going to uh, finish this, we're going to have to pick it yeah. up because we got still got a long ways oh, to go. Oh, yeah, we're not going to finish the, the Book of Ruth. <laughs> so, but, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, we'd have to go through it fast, but there's so many uh, parallels between the Book of Ruth and well, the appearance right. of Christ that, uh, you know, it, it's yeah. very fascinating, all right? So, in whose but I want to get the uh, racial aspects. Okay, now, well, least, here, uh, let me just go through a couple more verses and then go ahead and uh, uh, say your piece. But I sh- in whose sight I shall find what? Grace. Mm-hmm. Okay? From whom does, where does Israel find grace? Okay? Now my highlighter is not working. It, uh, it won't show me what that word is in the Hebrew. So, okay. But, uh, and she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers had her... Hap, uh, mikra, something met with. That is an accident or fortune. Oh, okay. And her hap was to light, her, her chance was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, in a sense, this would be the ten lost tribes who were scattered throughout the Greco-Roman world. And, but when when Yahshua came, well, they, they were in the vicinity. They were within earshot of hearing that Messiah had come. For what? To find grace. Now, many of those uh, uh, scattered Israelites still knew they were Israelites. John, uh, I'm sorry, James 1.1, 1, 1, the general epistle to the 12 tribes scattered abroad greetings. So the, the tribe of Judah understood that the tw- other ten tribes were still in existence. And so they were in communication with each other. The only real difference among them was that the house of Judah was still practicing the animal sacrifices. And those uh, scattered tribes had not practiced those sacrifices for 750 years. 
That's uh, and of course they were worshiping other gods, right? But so were the Judahites. <laughs> they just weren't admitting it, right? So let me just quote verse four, and then uh, you know, we can turn it back over to you. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Who came from Bethlehem? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bethlehem, Judah. Right, <laughs> right, there you go. And said unto the reapers, the reapers, okay, does end time stuff too. And Yahweh be with you. And they answered him, Yahweh bless thee. Okay, uh, see, the, the, all the parallels to the future history of the Israelites are all here in the book of Ruth. Over to you. Yeah, and mine just says the ever-living instead of Yehoah. Generally. Okay, yeah. you, you've got uh, what, the Ferrar Fenton? Is that, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the Ferrar. That's because okay. I've got it all highlighted here. But yeah, so if you just go on through this, uh, you know, <clears throat> I mean, there's some other good things here. In uh, two chapter 2, go down to 12, talking about may the ever-living here, which, of course, we're talking about Yehoah, reward you for your act. May the ever-living God of Israel. Okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say God of everybody. So uh, when people read this, it's talking about the God of Israel. It's not saying that, oh, she's just racially mixed, and this God of Israel is going to bless, you know, Ruth, right? Right. <laughs> but that's the way they read it. Yeah. So they take out all these racial terms. That's why I went through and I did this cross-reference chart and picked out all these terms. So when you're reading stuff, you can keep it in context. Yes. And then I've highlighted pretty much all this in the Bible. Yes. <clears throat> and then yeah. when you get up to verse 20, maybe completely blessed by the ever-living. See? Uh -huh. And Naomi said, that man is related to us. He can restore us. Well, right. if Boaz is related then how would they not be a, a, a Israelite. Israelite if Boaz is related to us? Right. That's what she says. Amen. Amen. All right. So what is she saying? I can just go out and race mix and come back, and yet uh, people are still still call all these Israelites my relatives? Mm -hmm. no. no. Now you'd have no to way. say that everybody thinks the same thing. If, if Naomi's making that statement, and if Boaz accepts that, now you're saying, well, Boaz is going to accept our mixed race, you see. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Whatever now, we've done, they're going to all accept that. All right, well, what's that's, the proof? That's, that's insane to say that. It is. Well, the proof of that is Matthew 15, 24, <laughs> where Yahshua is confronted by the Canaanite woman, who, who he ignores, and when she asks for a blessing... Right. And he answers her and says, I cannot give you the children's bread. Right. All right. So now let's let's go back and apply this for just a second. Yeah. Okay. And we were in verse 20, chapter uh, uh, 3, I guess, or 2. Yeah. yeah. So she's saying uh, that Naomi is saying that man is related to us, talking about Boaz. He can restore us. Now, if, if they were mixed race, somehow Ruth was mixed or whatever, yeah. they're saying that, okay, we can come back to Israel. All these people are going to accept our mixed race uh, marriages right. or our mixed race kids with them, these Moabites. And then we can be redeemed. Right. We can have our property <laughs> redeemed because there's nothing wrong with that. So she's speaking, but she's speaking for the other Israelites. You see, right. when, when she says this guy can do that, she's speaking for him. That even though, in, in other words, the way pastors would be teaching it, even though we're mixed race and now we're mixed with Moabites, we can come back and we can be redeemed. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's now. What kind of perverted logic is that? It is perverted. But it that's, is perverted. That, that's what they teach, right? But that's right. what they teach. Yeah. Despite now, how can they do that? And people look, <laughs> read that and think that, oh yeah, I guess my pastor's right. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything about race anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's because they don't follow the covenants, as you pointed out at the very beginning. Right. All right. So then we go down to chapter three. Okay. Okay. My, uh, and of course, Naomi's speaking to Ruth again. May I uh, seek Okay, hold on. Before you go there, let me just touch on Ruth uh, 23 real quick. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean Mm -hmm. unto the end of the barley harvest. This is right. So Moabites can come glean in Israelites' harvest. Right. Yeah, like that's going to happen. (laughs) Right. Well, well, that's perverted logic. And that's what pastors teach. They yeah. don't even read what they're, they don't even look at this and think, oh, this is perverted logic. They don't see the perversion of what they're teaching. That's right. Yeah, because they're perverted themselves. <laughs> they have to be. How, who can teach that and not realize that that's some type of error in logic to teach it? Who can do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, okay, Swamp Fox points out Boaz is also the name of one of the two bronze pillars of the Temple of Solomon. No way would he marry a Moabite. Yeah, absolutely. But but Solomon did. Now what happened? But, but yeah. there's perverted logic in in saying that these Moabites can come marry into Israel right. and, and be redeemed and all this and be blessed by Jehovah. That there's nothing racial going on. We're still in the Old yeah. Testament. We're only in Ruth, and right. now we're we're completely destroying the racial covenant yeah. right here in the Old Testament. And Solomon was condemned for his race mixing. Very clearly, he was condemned for it. Okay, so why don't they they read that? Why don't they get it from there? Okay, back to you. But it's a logical error. They're destroying the racial covenant as far back here as Ruth. That's right. Probably much farther back. Oh, yeah. And yet they uh, most all pastors say, well, oh, yeah, Christ was promised to these Israelites back in the Old Testament. And then it changes in the New Testament. But then they're teaching Ruth is this it's already been changed already. Yeah, it's changed. Yeah. The, the, you see the their logic? Yeah, exactly. Well, wherever they can. Error in logic. Yeah. They, they, well, they can't understand that they're not teaching logically correctly when they're yeah. teaching their own stuff. That's right. Yeah, they don't understand it. But the they Jews have planted it. these false ideas in their minds and, and bribed a lot of theologians to teach this garbage. And that, so they just continue it. Okay. Well, they're liars because. That's and, right. But then when people go to church and they listen to this, and they're they're thinking, for, what are they thinking? They're thinking, this guy, he's not even thinking correctly. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah, not thinking right. straight. You know. Right. I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe people don't speak out too much, but for for one thing, they're probably not going to want to go back to church anymore because they right. realize that well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But he's a nice guy, so they continue going. However, here's the problem: when you're giving money to a church. You at least expect them to try to teach logically and correctly. And when they're just openly perverting the scriptures, right. you just can't keep giving them money. Yeah. No, you can't. Well, don't go there anymore. That's what we tell well, people. I mean, you, you, right? you start, you start, you're funding perversion when That's you're giving right. people money that are obviously perverting and teaching with perverted logic, even if they don't know what their their teaching is correct or not. Yeah. You go to them and you point out that, hey, this is wrong. Well, if he keeps teaching it wrong, well, you can't keep you can't keep going to that church yeah. and giving them money. 
Yeah, or if you it doesn't join make sense. into that version. Yeah, if it doesn't make sense to you, why give that guy money to keep dumbfounding you, right? You're, you're supporting right. it financially, a that's perverted right. teaching financially. That's a problem. But that's so why the churches are closing. Else. Even if you yeah. can't find a church, then you just don't go to church because yeah, that's it, all right. you can do. Go into your closet and pray. You don't have to go to no stinking church. <laughs> right? You don't have to support a perverted teaching. You, yeah. you just either you start your own church and try to find some other people that can think correctly or whatever. I'm just saying that's perverted logic. So yes. when you get to three, again, it uses the term kindred and three two. Right. Boaz are kindred. All right. Mm-hmm. Here again. Now she's saying if Boaz is our kindred and you're racially mixed because you're a Moabitess, how does that? How are you now? Boaz is going to accept you, even though you're racially mixed. How does that? What right. kind of logic is that? You're speaking for Boaz, and you're basically saying that he's going to accept you. You, Yahshua Why did not. Why would Naomi yeah. think that Boaz would accept right. Ruth? Yahshua did not accept the Canaanite woman. Exactly. Why would she think that? Yeah, would you, would you go ask Bo if you were racially, if you had a racially mixed family, would you not go to Boaz and make sure that he would accept your racially mixed daughter? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, I could see Boaz saying to Naomi, uh, "How come Ruth has a hooked nose?" I'm uh, just who, saying. Who is, that's I know. Bad logic. That's an error is. in logic when you're saying that. Oh, Boaz. Even if Boaz was a kindred of Naomi, if Mo, if Ruth was racially mixed, which is what it's trying to say, why would Naomi think that she would be accepted by Boaz without right. speaking to Boaz? Right. Yeah. There's no way. Right. There's no yeah, way. Exactly. But she. But no she's way. setting. She's setting Ruth up. Yeah. Uh, in other words, uh, in a way, the Israelites, the unbelieving Israelites, let's put it this way, are blindsided by the first advent, okay? And uh, they're being expected now to re- recall their Israelite heritage and understand, hey, well, here's the Redeemer. He was promised to you ages ago. He has finally arrived. Now what are you going to do, Okay. Are you going to accept the faith that he has given you? Accept the uh, the redemption that he has given you? Well, they have a choice. They can accept it or not. Right? It's obvious that Ruth represents those Israelites who accept the terms of the new covenant, which is basically that the redemption has occurred, and now you have to live accordingly. That doesn't mean the right. law and, has been about. And here's another viewpoint. What if uh, Christ had come and all the people had gone ahead and accepted him? Who would have killed him because he had to die? Right. Well, I mean, the the well, the Israelites participated in that, but the Pharisees were the ringleaders in all of but that. But what I'm saying is, had they gone ahead and accepted him because they realized, oh, right. oh yeah, this, well, this really is him. After all, he's already raised three people from the dead. Right. So <laughs> let's assume that they did. All the Pharisees bowed and said, okay, we do accept you because we can tell that you yeah. are this yeah. person we've been waiting on. What, but... but you know, someone has to kill well, him. Yeah. Who's going to kill him now? So now what is he going to do? Go get some non-Israelite to kill him? Well, that's what he, that's what actually happened because uh, his traitor, Judas, was an Edomite. Okay? Right, right. Right? right. Okay. So uh, all these prophecies had to be fulfilled, and they were. Okay? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the fascinating that's exactly thing. right. Right. Okay. And so, um, all right. So then uh, Ruth 3, 4. 
and it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and cover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. This is a prophecy of the first advent. Okay, the Israelites all here in the Greco-Roman world hear that the Messiah has come, and they were beckoned to where? Jerusalem, to Judah, the house of Judah, where this is. And she yeah. said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. All right, now she's listening to Naomi. Will the Israelites listen to Boaz? Or will they listen to Yahshua? Well, some of us do, but not yeah. all of us do. And that's the problem. Okay? So uh, if you want, I can continue reading here, unless you have... Well, a, a, I'd like to hit some of the more racial stuff before oh, okay. we get done, because right, we have so much more time. Uh, ten, okay, go so ahead. I got take a few it. minutes. Take it. Let's okay. go on up to verse 9. I am Ruth, your servant. Therefore, spread your cloak over your servant, for you are the restorer. And so my uh, note says, restore the next of kin to her husband. A near who kinsman. By Hebrew law was obliged to marry her and redeem her late husband's estate if mortgaged, as this seems to have been. Well, this is the kinsman redeemer prophecy right exactly. here. Exactly. This is there it. Yeah. This yeah. is it. Kinsman and redeemer. Of course, you look at the story and says, well, you know, you're, you're virtuous because you've not <laughs> gone after younger men. Right. Or, or, or non-Israelite men, right? But here's here's a, a simple, here's something. Uh, 11, uh, I will do all this because... Uh, for all the circle of my people, all my friends, in other words, know that you are a virtuous woman. Uh-huh. But now, for the fact, I am a near uh, kinsman myself. So here you go again. Yet there is a nearer redemptor than I. So <clears throat> what what do you think this insertation, uh, insert of this nearer redemptor to I, if that ha- plays in here any, any uh, into your story? Well, it can only be uh, the Redeemer, Yahshua. It's, uh, it's a well, Boaz is playing the, the part of Yeshua, the Redeemer, but That's who right. is the nearer Redemptor? Oh, uh, okay, the nearer... <coughs> well, again... Uh, uh, Remember sure. the story as he goes to his friend, who is a, another kinsman that's a nearer oh, oh, Redemptor okay. than he is. That's the story. Okay, well, uh, probably the house of Judah, you know, the, the, the Davidic line, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, well, never... that's what I'm. That's what I was thinking. Okay, uh, I'm just guessing. Then, I never uh, Christ, uh, you know, came into that uh, line, obviously. Right. So that okay. would fit Boaz. So yeah, because Boaz, yeah, okay. the Kinsman Redemptor story. Yeah. All right, just real quickly. Even the Israelites of that time were uh, hoping for a, a, a military, a militarily victorious, uh, you know, re- king. Right, like David. Yeah, but that's what they're waiting on now. That's the whole idea that's of right. Zionism. They're exactly. waiting on, you know. In fact, he used that term, the Snake King. That's mm. what they said. If you watch this video, uh, Rick Wild's video, the Snake oh. King. That's what they're waiting on. Yeah, yeah, right. The Snake Messiah. The they call him the Snake <laughs> Messiah. That's what the they serpent. Call him. Yeah, right. The yeah, yeah. It's Messiah. perverted. Yeah. It's totally perverted. No, yeah. they 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 claim that. That's amazing. If you just yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll put that video up. I haven't seen that one. All right, uh, please continue. We have about seven minutes left. Exactly. So stay here tonight. When the morning comes, if he will redeem 
for you uh, good. So here again, redeeming. he's saying this Moabitess, Ruth, then is going to you know, re redeem this. So the point is, why would why would Boaz, all right, assuming that she's a Moabitess, she's coming in and she's saying, okay, I have property. In other words, of course, like it just said, you would have, Boaz would have to marry uh, Ruth to redeem the property and all that. So why would Boaz play into all this if for uh, someone who's a Moabitess? Right. Of course, it, he would not do that. That's not. just insane to teach that. But it that's is. what they teach. That's, that's insane. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, and then to me, this is really touching because Ruth utterly humbles herself before Moaz, yeah. and she lay at his feet. Right. And then what, what's the what's Yashua going to do? He was he will make the, uh, the earth his footstool. The universe will be his footstool. Okay. But we Israelites have to humble ourselves in preparation for this second coming. Right. We had to do it for the first coming. We have to do it for again for the second coming. Otherwise, uh, you know, we, we might get blown out of the water. Here, right. Well, what we got to do is do what he said to begin with. It all okay. goes back to the very beginning of the Abrahamic covenant. Believe in me. Uh, teach it to your children. Write it on your doorpost. Follow my law. Pray for repentance. I mean, repent and play for uh, pray for uh, salvation and redemption. In other right. words. And, and just do what I told you to do, and then you will be what I said that you'll be. And in the meantime, I'll be your shield. I'll be your rock. I'll fight for you, which is what you see all through Scripture, even though he brought him out of Egypt yeah. and fought for, for them as Christ the rock. That's what he did. And then he brought him out. He shielded them, had the uh, tornado of fire with the tornado of, of sand behind so he shielded them, brought them out on eagle's wings, protected them, gave them food, gave them manna, gave them quail, all this kind of stuff. Even when he was killing them 40 years in the desert, he still kept their feet from swelling and their clothes and their shoes did not wear out. If you recall, uh -huh. that's in uh, Joshua. Right, right, exactly. So he did all these things for them, exactly like he said. All you had to do is do what I said to do, which was believe in me and follow my law and be repentant. That's yes. it. Yeah. Right. Do, do the best you can and spread the word, the kingdom message to your your, right. your racial message, which is the kingdom, message of the kingdom of God. That's all that amounted to. And we can't even do that. Well, yeah, <clears throat> the, the times don't permit us to do it, but we're, thanks to the Internet, Yahweh provided us with the Internet, we are able to get the message out. And from all appearances, you know, when you look at the comments of various websites, when somebody uh, allows comments uh, on scripture, you see tons and tons of identity people making comments on those websites. They say, no, the Jews aren't Israelites, we're the Israelites, and the message is getting out. All right? Uh, that's all we can do right now. All right? But let me just, uh, uh, any other verses you want to touch on with about uh, three minutes left? <clears throat> Yeah, well, when you get up to chapter 4, it talks about him uh, talking to his friend there uh, to redeem the land. And he right. says, but when you do that, then you have to marry Ruth, basically. Right. <clears throat> and okay. then the next of kin said, so again, kindred right. people in verse 6. Okay. I'm so not able to purchase it lest I should injure my own property. So, and then he passes it on, lets Boaz do it. Okay, so, wedding feast of the Lamb, book of Revelation. That's what this is about, okay? Yeah. We remarry, 
into the uh, Davidic covenant, well, into the, the promises the Yahweh made to us through Yahshua, and we could <laughs> so become So if you, if you were divorced, again. now's when you're going to be married back in. There, yeah. You had to be divorced so that Yahshua could be, uh, be your husband in the future. Okay, and there's the two witnesses. It's down in verse 7. The elders oh, okay. reply, we are witnesses. There you go. <laughs> this this ties into so much prophecy; it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole the whole revelation, really. Right. It uh, and it ties into the New Testament, Book of Revelation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, I encourage people to go uh, reread the Book of Ruth, and just keep in your in your mind that Ruth represents Israel, Boaz represents Christ, and uh, the the bond between them is the covenant. Well, that's actually verse 11. It mentions okay. uh, Rachel, Rachel and Leah, which built up the house of Israel and made wealth in, uh, what's it right. called? Right. Celebrated yeah. name in Bethlehem. That's verse 11. There you go. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, you know, Abraham uh, told his servant to find a good wife for my son Isaac. Where did he go? He went to Aram, his kinspeople, his kinsmen, to find... To, to find Rebecca, right? He said, marry not a Canaanite woman, <laughs> all right? So the racial purity is paramount throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. If you get through all the perverted translations they are providing us with, okay? Well, and we don't, you know, it doesn't really even matter about that. We, you, you know, Israelite, if you're an Israelite, you're going to read this and understand what this is about. Right. And it helps to have a good teacher, and, and translation aside, I, I don't believe there's any perfect translation, but context is where it's at. So once you go here, you look at these key words, it gives you the correct context. You realize this is about a racial thing about Israel. Right. It uses the word Israel Absolutely. all over through here and kinsmen and all that. You realize this is a racial covenant here. Then you understand the connections to Christ and all that. You know, even if the translation is not perfect, you're still going to understand it. You don't teach it as, you know, a Moabitess is marrying an Israelite. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You don't even believe the Bible if you teach it that way. Yes. And then verse 12, let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar, another Aramean woman, bear unto Judah of the seed which Yahweh shall give thee this young woman. <laughs> there right. it is, folks. Yep. They're the covenant race. All right, we've run out of time. Good job, David. Uh, right, had, but Yehoah gave it to her. That was the yeah, point. Exactly. Yehoah, right, yeah, exactly. Right, there you go. Yeah, he gives us, uh, we have the opportunity to reject or accept. Amen. Thanks for listening, Yehoah folks. Yehoah did not give her a Moabitus. No, that's right. <laughs> okay, folks. Right. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you next time. Bye-bye. All right. All right.